Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where everyone's beautiful when they're in love or um, when they had an expensive makeover that their mom gave them and then they fell in love. (laughs) Book number 28, Alone in the Crowd. Can Elizabeth help Lynn overcome her shyness? Hi, welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. I am your host, Marissa Flaxbart, and welcome also to my guest who is joining me remotely via fancy internet phone call, my cousin, Megan Shattuck. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me on your podcast. You're welcome. And we did not talk on the phone at all before this to get started. So I guess just like, first off, hi, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How's, How's everything going? It was it was fine. I was super stressed out. I have too many jobs. Hooray. I can't focus on which one I'm doing when and it's stressing me out. But this is my favorite, probably. This is delightful and awesome, and I'm very excited. Is it okay for me to count this as a job? I am not getting paid yes. for this. <laughs> 100%. Okay, good. If I start counting things I'm not getting paid for as jobs, my number of jobs goes up really, really high. <laughs> Same. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> well, Megan Shattuck, welcome to the show, and welcome to the world of Sweet Valley High. Oh, my goodness. Was this your first Sweet Valley High novel that you have read? It was. Despite seeing them on your shelf when we were growing up as kids, I have not actually read one of these before. I've listened to the podcast. But. Yay. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I remember you telling me that you listened to episodes with me and my dad so yes. that it was like family hangout time. It was awesome. <laughs> well, you need to make a podcast so that I can listen to you talk. <laughs> I'll just listen to this. Yeah. Okay. So before I ask you what you thought of this very, very special book, Alone in the Crowd, let's talk about the cover. Oh my, the cover. I remember the glasses were the thing that really stuck out to me. And I'm looking at it right now and it's just like, I, I know they made those glasses at some point, but yeah. I don't, don't really like, know when. They don't look like ladies' glasses. They don't look like they were ever intended to be worn on a, a woman's face yeah they look like maybe they're for like a basketball player or something like if you yeah something for like impact and they're pretty bad a female person is wearing them and um oh they're really big it's they're so crazy that they almost look cool yes yeah she could be you know she could be hipsterific now but i think in sweet valley times i think it's trying to convey so that's uh i'm assuming that's lynn henry because she looks very forlorn That is Lynn Henry, the main character of this book. And listeners, if you are thinking to yourself, oh, I don't think I remember Lynn Henry. Uh, Lynn Henry has never been mentioned in these books before. (laughs) And she is not known by anyone in the school either. So another one of those. And then I'm assuming that's Elizabeth because it looks very adoringly at her instead of sort of rudely or anything. I don't know. From my impression of Jessica versus Elizabeth, I think that's probably Elizabeth. Yeah, Elizabeth in a polo shirt is usually a pretty safe bet. Oh, and Elizabeth okay. is wearing a blue polo shirt. She's got her hair pulled back into barrettes. That's kind of the Elizabeth cover look. Okay. But, oh my gosh, I really want to just like zoom in on Elizabeth's face on this <laughs> cover because it is so Elizabeth, the face she's making. We've gotten into this phase in the b- podcast and in our reading of the series, our collective mm-hmm. as a 
podcast reading of the series where Elizabeth has started doing a lot of meddling in other people's lives. Uh, just That's just what happens to her. She's not really seeking it out that much. It's just kind of occurring. And yeah. this is a real meddler face she's got going on. Yeah. It's a little bit scowly, too. Yeah, it's like, oh, honey, I'm going to fix everything. Yeah, like, oh, you poor thing. But Lynn, she's got a kind of a small guitar on her lap, and she's resting her arm on it, and she's just looking really sad. Yes. Is it just me, or is she beautiful? Is this yeah, a beautiful person? Yeah, it's it's totally one of those instances where they try to make somebody be unattractive, but then they're already attractive, and then... Yeah, so we might as well get right down into it, because that's kind of Lynn Henry's problem in this book. Uh, Lynn thinks that she is ugly, and she doesn't try very hard to have a good appearance, because she knows there's no point. She's very awkward in a way that, I don't know... I, I, I'm curious, actually, before I launch into my complicated feelings about Lynn Henry, mm-hmm. uh, how you felt about her. I think the thing that kept coming up in my head was like, holy teen angst, Batman, this one, we've got a live one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. She, like, everything that happens to her, her reaction to it is like the worst oh. interpretation yeah, of just, what this could mean. Like, this is the worst, and I'm the worst. And yeah, there were some notes I'd grabbed in here. Uh-huh. It was, yeah. She wasn't Lynn. She was nobody. Like, come on. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and actually, so that that brings us a real quick. So early on in this book, we get, uh, for the first time in several episodes, a Collins, Collins Watch 2019. We got Collins Watch 2019. I was very excited about yeah, that. Yeah. Well, do you have a, something marked or should I read what I have marked? Uh, yeah, I have a couple. Um, Go for it. Please. Let me navigate to the spot because it's very futuristic. Um, I actually kind of wished that I had the Kindle version of this particular book. And usually the guest reads the paper version. I have a Kindle version. But uh, this time it was the other way around. (laughs) And I wish that I had the digital version of this book so that I could search it to find out how many times the name Linda Ronstadt is mentioned in this book. Oh, my God. So (laughs) much Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. I mean, I've... didn't really know of her as like a young singer at all. And so I was like, really? She wants to look like Linda Ronstadt? Are we sure about that? We'll get to it. But man, they talk about her a lot. It it becomes a plot point. Yeah. Let's see. I have uh, Mr. Collins had read a poem out loud. She liked English and she liked Mr. Collins. He looks like a movie star. And it goes on. That's (laughs) exactly the part I mentioned. Yes. Or I marked, I mean. He had reddish blonde hair and a warm smile. And he was really young. Everyone liked him. But more important, he had actually complimented Lynn several times, writing nice things at the end of the compositions she wrote. Once he had written that she seemed to have a natural flair for writing. That had made her glow for days. If only he knew how much that meant to her. But yeah, she go- <laughs> he goes on to explain how bad she felt when he read Emily Dickinson's poem, where she says, I'm nobody, who are you? Are you nobody too? Instead of making, instead of that making Lynn feel seen and like, oh, wow, I can relate to Emily Dickinson. She's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) All this angst and she can't hold it all. I'm nobody. This is how I feel. And now everybody in the room can see me feeling it. Except nobody's looking at her because like nobody can see her because she's kind of nobody. Well, and they're also staring at Mr. Collins. Oh, yeah, because he's dreamy. Yeah. Yeah. 
And like, it, I thought it was funny, like after she does this whole freak out about I'm nobody and who are you, then it has this whole thing where it goes back to Mr. Collins and describes his rich voice. And yes, it just really shifts the focus back to Mr. Collins. Yes. There's a lot of sexy voices in this book. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because that ends up being really important later. Well, so Lynn Henry is, uh, you know, the main character of this book, but the device through which we are going to learn more about Lynn Henry is a very fascinating development. Uh, We're back to the droids. We just had a droids episode a few books ago uh, where we talked about Emily Meyer of the droids. And now uh, we are talking about Guy Chesney, especially, but the droids as a whole the, that's the band, right? The, yeah. You, you guys, if you're listening to this podcast, you know what the droids are, right? I, I, I mean, Guy Chesney, come on. Yeah, Guy Chesney. You know, if you don't know who Guy Chesney is, I don't know what you're doing here. <laughs> like, go back and listen to a few episodes ago. No, I'm just... <laughs> there's never been a book about Guy Chesney before. But but he is in the droids. He's lead guitar? Or is he a bass player? I feel like I was giggling about no the, the no, bass, player, bass is, player is um is the guy that we just his name is dan oh, okay oh you know i think i was listening to one of the podcasts while i was reading the the book at the same time <laughs> you were listening to the emily meyer episode while you were reading this or, I mean, that, in, that in, timeline checks out this. yeah that timeline yeah. checks out so so guy just needs the guitarist the droids though are having this special competition that's like star search for uh for the for a like, song teen writer. rock scene. Yeah. Which there's actually a TV show that's going to be coming out in a while. I mean, this is not oh, an wow. advertisement for that show, but a new show called Songland that's basically like the voice for songwriters. And wow. this is like the Sweet Valley High version of that. So Synergy. Except, yeah. you know, they're not paying me NBC or Fox or whoever has this show. Uh, so That's yet. So listeners, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to call you gladiators. Uh, gladiators... <laughs> I don't care if you watch that show or not, but Lynn Henry would be great on the show, probably. Spoiler alert. Yes. Um, the droids, oh my gosh, they get so much airtime talking about this competition from the high school. Like, the high school is all in supporting this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was surprised at, like, you know, a songwriting. I've, I don't know. I've never heard of a songwriting competition in a high school that seemed like not something a high schooler would necessarily do. And yeah. Bless their, like, they were doing God's work going through all those songs of the, <laughs> the Latin angst. The droids are not, um, like, the high school band. They're just a band made up of a bunch of high schoolers. But, so, there are a few weird high school things that happen, like, we, that we have to walk through here, because they're maybe some of the most special things in the book. Uh, the kids all get a day off of class to go play softball? The oh, junior yeah, class, specifically. They, like, it was like a picnic, but no picnic. Yeah, at Seca Lake, the site of uh, a famous plane crash where Enid oh, Rollins yeah. uh, and George Warren were in a plane crash at Seca Lake. Uh, <laughs> that's the main reason why we've met Seca yeah. Lake before. Uh, okay. So they're playing softball there. There's also a softball field, apparently. Um, and Dana Larson like gets a microphone or something. She makes a big announcement about how they're going to have the songwriting contest. Um, so that's one high school thing that's happening here. That's a framework thing. And then another one is kind of the B story. I'm going a little bit out of order here. Oh, is this, is the, this the rock around the clock? (laughs) Yeah. 
Thing. Wow. Yes. Wow. I mean, would you care? Would you care to describe for our listeners the rock around the clock thing and so, what it is? As best as I can understand it, um, Jessica really wanted new was it cheerleading outfits. Yeah, and so. So she wanted to throw some kind of fundraiser and she just finished another one. And so they decided they were going to do sort of like a, it wasn't a dance, but it was just like they were going to rock in a rocking chair for 24 hours or something <laughs> and like trade off yeah, and the turn squad. it into a party of yeah, the cheerleaders like a just sitting in a rocking chair, rocking back and forth. Yeah, and it's funny because Jessica, this is all Jessica's idea, it's really stupid, and Elizabeth acknowledges how stupid it is early and often, except that it totally works, because she, because because she builds this whole, she's Jessica, and she builds this whole party around it, where she gets the droids to play, and it's a big dance, and it's... The all of the girls in the squad each have to rock for one hour shifts three times, and they each it's like a race where, yeah, I mean, they're not racing, but in the sense that they get people to donate. Like, Jessica at one point asked people to pledge a dollar an hour for her, which means they're gonna give her three dollars, right? So, anyway, somehow Maybe that's it's 80s money. Yeah, that's more. <laughs> Very good point. And she also describes the uniforms they pick out at one point, and she describes them as short white skirts and the sweetest little white short sleeve tops. And yeah. that's just like, that like, sounds so boring. Yeah, that's not descriptive at all. Yeah. Like, does it say Sweet Valley on there somewhere? Maybe. Are there any colors? Yeah. Um, the rocking know. does not get described very much. Uh, at least not that kind of rocking, the right. chair rocking. Um, but let's uh, let's work backwards a little bit into how Lynn gets involved into the story. Guy Chesney, getting back to Guy Chesney, um, oh, yeah. we can have a boys section of the podcast later, but basically the number one boy in this book is Guy Chesney. Yeah, followed shortly by Mr. Collins. Yeah. And then there's some other guy yeah. uh, that I'll mention later, but there's almost nothing to say about him because <laughs> this is an all-guy book. Um, I mean, Guy Chesney, not all men. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Um, Lynn, poor Lynn, she sits by herself at the table at lunch. She basically just counts the minutes until the day is over, and she hates riding the bus because she doesn't have anyone to sit with and as soon as somebody sits down next to her she ignores them it's like she does just not know how to be alive and uh i really feel for her except at this point in the book i was mostly feeling very mad at her for just not dealing with any of her problems yeah but yeah it felt like she was just getting kind of like rude even on the bus where she was like you know looking away or mad dogging her bus mate i don't know it it seemed kind of like a weird exchange i remember well you know what maybe i should find that part of the book yeah here i'll read that why not um lynn's heart began to pound it was so stupid to make a big deal out of something as ordinary as a bus ride home but she hated riding the bus it seemed as if everyone else had someone to sit with it reminded her of the game they used to play when they were kids when the music stopped playing everyone grabbed a place to sit Everyone, that was, but the loser. The odd man out. 
Uh, that game the, is called. That game is called Musical Chairs. Yes, the <laughs> book, <laughs> was afraid of some sort of like intellectual property problems. They couldn't name the game. Yeah, you can't sing Happy Birthday and you can't play Musical Chairs in 1984 Sweet Valley. So she, it goes on. Everyone that was, but the loser, the odd man out, or in this case, the odd girl out. From now on, Lynn decided suddenly she was going to walk to school. She couldn't stand this anymore. Soon the bus was filled with chattering, laughing students. Sighing, Lynn sat down next to the window, her backpack on her lap. Just ten more minutes, she told herself. Then she would be home, and another long day would be safely behind her. Lynn barely noticed when Caroline sank down in the seat next to her, her arms spilling over with books and papers. And that's the point of this where... I kind of stopped feeling for Lynn. And I'm like, okay, now someone's sitting next to you. She's not being rude to you. Like, yeah. And now it's like, oh, now someone's sitting next to me. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's relatable. But I was like, come on, meme. Yeah. Maybe try not being ignoring everyone who actually tries to interact (laughs) with you. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Oh, and there was another spot mm -hmm. that I was just really entertained when you were talking about her uh, eating lunch by herself. Mm Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. Elizabeth felt a tiny shiver go through her. She must be lonely, she said softly, watching the girl take a bite of her sandwich and chew it, automatically, as if she couldn't even taste it. Elizabeth couldn't imagine eating lunch by herself, sitting alone in the crowded lunchroom while everyone else talked and laughed. (laughs) So this is where Elizabeth is just so wise, and she's, everybody else is looking at Lynn Henry and thinking like, oh, that weird loner, and Elizabeth is like, She's lonely. She has a sad, tasteless lunch and a sad, yeah. tasteless life. What yeah. must it be like to sit at a table by oneself? Right, yeah. It was like, despite her best intention, really still can't empathize with introverts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So poor Lynn, um, we learn a little bit about her backstory. She Her, her father passed away a long time ago. She barely remembers him. Her yeah. mother, though, is ve- a very glamorous woman named yeah. Jade Henry. And she works at, it was, it's like a fancy clothing and salon shop. I think it's like a spa. Yes, that's right. It's called The Silver Door. Ooh. The Silver Door. Sorry, I just liked saying that. Yeah. <laughs> the Silver Door. It's a it's a it's a spa. But they have a sauna and they have they they have a salon. They have everything and Jade Henry oh, has impeccable like taste. Like a health club. Mhm. Jade Henry has impeccable taste and she's got gorgeous black hair and she's so beautiful. And Lynn is described as being like tall. And who could stand a tall willowy girl like her she was so ugly but apparently she's very skinny and she doesn't brush her hair and she doesn't wear her contacts so she doesn't try she wears dirty sweatshirts and her room is messy and her only joy is in playing the guitar and writing songs is that is anything else about lynn we should say i think that was about it yeah she likes she wants to go home from her lonely bus ride to go be lonely in her room. Yeah. And I guess the other thing, and this actually really did kind of tug at my heartstrings, is that her mom, you know, so she doesn't have a dad. She's yeah. a junior Her mom is school. so sweet to her. Too, yeah. Like, but it, her mom but, does do this mom thing, right? Yeah. Of like, oh, honey, you would be so beautiful if you just took a second to comb your hair. 
you right. know? <laughs> or like, oh, if you stood up straight, wouldn't that be nice? And it's not that I feel for Lynn that her mom says that, although I think we can all relate to that, you know, like, sure. I was just just writing something about how there are certain things that coming from a maternal figure, like sound like insults, even when they're compliments. Yeah, like, absolutely. So, uh, well, actually, since you are my cousin, I can tell you specifically, you'll you'll be able to relate to this. I was thinking about a time when our grandmother told me, uh, I was in like my 20s and she said something like, you know, you actually have really nice skin. Oh, <laughs> yes, you can hear it. <laughs> yeah, and, I could totally hear it. <laughs> and I was like, well, are you, did you just actually, picture me this whole time as like having the like pimply broken out skin that I had when I was a teenager and now it's been like 10 years and you still just look at my face and you never saw anything else? Like that was what went through my head. Right. And it wasn't until much later that like I think about it now and it's like, oh, well, she was giving me a compliment. Like she didn't have to say that. But yeah, you heard it. You heard it too. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I think I remember her um, at one point, like I'd been working really hard to like take care of my skin and not have as much acne. I don't know. It's a constant battle when you're a teenager. And like, so it'd been a while that I'd been trying like a routine or whatever. And she like saw a pimple and then was like, now you need to start washing your face really well. And it's just like, Oh, come on. Oh my God. Amy. Yeah. That's okay. okay. She was so well-intentioned. She really was. And I can remember sometimes the only times that I ever told her that she had hurt my feelings, she was so hurt. Like, she really didn't mean to, you know? Yeah. Like, she really tried hard to make it clear to me that she would never, you know, say anything to hurt my feelings. And I was like, okay, well, now I feel bad for feeling bad. Right. (laughs) Anyway... This is a digression, but uh, <laughs> one that you and I can share, uh, and I, I imagine the listeners can relate to with their own mothers and grandmothers and yeah. aunts and such. So, but the moment, anyway, getting back to Lynn Henry, the moment that I really felt for her was when the book describes how she wished that she weren't like this to her mother. Like, she, she yeah. knew that her mother was well-intentioned, and she wasn't saying anything out of line. She wasn't being pushy. But it was just, like, she couldn't help herself but, like, snap at her mother and, like, retreat and, like, keep secrets and do this kind of teenagery stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think a bunch of pe- a bunch of her mom's friends said that she looked like her father, too, and that her father, yeah. like, wasn't gorgeous, so therefore that was a terrible thing to say or something. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so early on in this book, uh, Lynn has a conversation with a boy that makes her blush to the roots of her hair. The boy, of course, listeners uh, can probably guess by now, is Guy, Guy Chesney. Chesney. <laughs> Guy has moved in to her neighborhood recently, and um, they start walking down the street and just start talking. I remember it was about Linda Ronstadt was like the main thing that I recall from that conversation they had. Yeah, well, um, I'll read I'll read that uh, part here. Okay, so. You're Lynn, right? He was saying, smiling at her. I've seen you around at school, but I don't think we've ever met. Uh, yes, my name is Lynn Henry, she said, all in a rush. He was smiling apologetically. 
I really don't get to see very many people these days. The droids and my parents, <laughs> that's about it. It must be so wonderful, Lynn burst out, playing with a group like the droids. Guy looked surprised. Not many people feel that way, he said. Not many girls, anyway. Most girls I know think music's okay as long as it stays in the background. But playing in a band? I think it's exciting, Lynn said vehemently. What kind of music do you listen to when you're not practicing? She couldn't believe how easy it was to talk to him. He was so easygoing, so relaxed. He was listing bands to her, many of them her own favorites, and in no time at all, they had reached her front walk. What about female vocalist? Lynn asked shyly, hating to end the conversation. Guy looked thoughtful. You know, I like some of the mellow stuff. Linda Ronstadt was my favorite the whole time I was growing up, he says, a 16. <laughs> All grown up. I think she's great too, Lynn said enthusiastically. You do, Guy beamed. The next minute, he was rattling off all the things he liked about the singer. The richness of her voice, her lyrics, her range. Lynn just listened, enthralled. Guy really seemed eager to talk about music, she thought. <laughs> she barely said a word, and yet, several minutes later, he seemed to mean it when he said it had been good talking to yes. her. Yes. <laughs> I highlighted that last line, too. <laughs> so, like, oh, Guy. Yeah, so that was an interesting dynamic to their abutting uh, friendship, right? Yeah, like she just wants a nice man who will talk about himself. Yeah, and and he, what does he get out of the relationship? Well, he gets a woman who will let him talk about all of his interests endlessly. Yeah. Uh, but they haven't started dating just yet. They, um, they're just friends and they talk while they walk to school and stuff. Yeah. Uh, they also have a very intense conversation at Seca Lake during the softball Ooh, game. Yeah. And I know it has only been a few seconds since my last reading, but I just have to point out that Elizabeth notices Guy and Lynn talking to each other and thinks, what a difference. She had barely recognized Lynn at first. That was how powerful a change a smile could make. Lynn looked as if she were really having fun, Elizabeth realized. And once again, she wondered what kind of person had been hiding behind the sullen expression the girl usually wore. With a smile on her face and a sparkle in her eye, Lynn Henry was actually almost pretty. Almost. <laughs> oh my god. This book, such shade. Yeah. Right? Oh, poor Lynn. Yeah, that's rough. During this conversation, Lynn reveals a little bit about her interest in music, but she's basically, like, not telling anybody that she plays music. She's not telling anybody that she's been teaching music lessons down at the music center. Right, yeah, it's like her secret life of music. Yeah, and it's like her greatest passion, but she yeah. basically decides that she's going to enter the contest, but she's going to do it anonymously, the songwriting contest. Right, um, so she goes home and she records a song called Outside, Outside Looking In. Looking In. Mm -hmm. She thinks of the title first, like all great songs. Starts with the title. Yeah, that's how that works. And she just gets out her little cassette recorder and records the tape and turns it in anonymously. And next thing you know, the droids are listening to it. <laughs> yeah yeah after she sneaks it past elizabeth in the newspaper office or whatever yeah yeah which is the first 
The first thing is that, I mean, this actually just goes to show how little anybody knows about Lynn Henry, because Elizabeth actually sees her, like, stumbling past the office, and Lynn just sort of is like, oh, uh, uh, I was just Well, she, like, goes in, something. doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Elizabeth doesn't put it together that, oh, maybe that's what was happening. Like, Lynn was in the office. Like, why else would she be in the Oracle office? I don't know. Just to... Oh, that's another weird thing is that somehow the Oracle office at the high school is the point where the cassettes are getting dropped off for the songwriting entry. Yeah. That's all that was Yeah, that was interesting. Like, let's just use the newspaper office to drop these off. Yeah. Uh, but it is a, like a hotbed of activity at Sweet Valley High, I guess. <laughs> It's like a newsroom in like the 1920s. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, there's always something going on at the Oracle office. <laughs> okay. So um, I feel like this is reading heavy, uh, but I'm going to read some more because it's it's fun. Um, yeah. And also there's some cool like uh, artifacts of the 1980s here. Um, so everybody's sitting around outside at lunchtime and... The droids were at the center of the group, reading aloud the names of the submissions they had received and popping the cassettes into a battery-operated cassette player. Elizabeth and Jessica were listening avidly with the rest of the group, waiting for the perfect song, the special hit that would become a signature title for the droids. The four songs they had heard so far all sounded very much the same. They were nice, but nothing special. And um, it goes on, and Guy picks up uh, a tape out of a yellow envelope, and says, hey, what's this? It's marked anonymous, he said, looking at it speculatively. Outside looking in by anonymous? What kind of title is that? Ken Matthews asked. Outside looking in, it sounds kind of strange. <laughs> Let's give it a try. My, my Ken voice and my guy voice are too similar. Ken is like a jock. He's like... I, one of my favorite things in uh, all the readings you do in your podcast is all of your dude voices sound kind <laughs> Thank of... Thank uh... you. They all sound the same. <laughs> yeah, but in a way that a Sweet Valley man would, or an up-and-coming Sweet Valley man would probably sound. So let's, let's talk this through. Help me out with this here. Because yeah. uh, you can hear me. I can't hear myself so much. But so Ken is like a jock, right? So he's like, what kind of title is that? Outside looking in, it sounds kind of strange. But like Guy is a little bit more of like a, he's more he's like of like a, a musician. Yeah, he's like. Let's give it a try. <laughs> That's getting a little bit close to my, um, what's his face? The surfer guy, Dee Dee and Bill. Bill. Oh, Bill. Okay. My Bill voice is a little more of a surfer. But I uh, I try to always have Russ, my friend Russ, do the Bill episodes, and then he can read Bill's voice because he sounds like Bill. Anyway, back to the reading. I have a little more because I want to read the lyrics yes. of the song. Yeah. Did you mark the lyrics? I could let you read them. People okay, are going to stick with my voice. Okay, well... <laughs> People you, will never get, get sick ready. of your voice because your voice is awesome. Oh, bless your heart. Aww. I hope you don't mean that in the Southern way. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I mean, thank you for yeah, complimenting so... me. I love you. I love you. Even when you don't compliment me, I love you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's give it a try, Guy said. <laughs> Let's give it a try. I, no, I can't good, even. Yeah. I could do, I could try to do my, like, a Burkinio. I, uh, 
Yeah, like maybe a little bit Southern California stoner, but that's what I was. But that's that's also what I was originally trying a lot too. That is that is what what I was going for initially earlier when I was doing guy, but I didn't plan this out. I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. Yeah, a peek behind the curtain. I don't plan (laughs) it out. I just do what I feel. So, or like Trent from Daria. If you remember, oh my god, like that's (gasps) guy is Trent from Daria. Oh oh my! Suddenly, we're both even more attracted to Guy Chesney. (laughs) The hottest cartoon in history, Trent from Daria? Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Okay, I'm going to try to channel Trent from Daria. <laughs> Let's give it a try, Guy said, popping the tape into the cassette player. A hush fell over the group as he pushed the play button. For a moment, the only sound was the whirring of the tape player. Then there was an introductory chord or two from a guitar, followed by one of the richest, throatiest, most gorgeous voices they had ever heard. Jeez, Ken said, sitting up straighter. Whoever she is, she can really sing. Shh, Guy said, his expression transfixed. He turned up the volume. Listen to the words. Elizabeth felt her spine prickling as the haunting melody poured out of the tape player. She couldn't believe anyone her own age could have written a song with so much maturity, such deep and poignant feeling. Wait, Guy cried. We have to rewind this and play it from the beginning. I had no idea anyone around here could write like this. This time the audience was ready from the beginning for the magic they were about to hear. The chord struck up again, and the haunting voice sang the poignant lyric from the first word. Day after day, I'm feeling kind of lonely. Day after day, it's him and him only. Something in his eyes made my hopes start to rise. But he's part of a world that doesn't include me. Nothing he says could ever delude me. I'll never win. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside, looking in. Night after night, I'm saying a prayer. Night after night, that someone will care. Somebody to hear me. Somebody to stay near me. But nothing's gonna change. Dreams can't deceive me. I'm all alone. You've got to believe me. I just can't win. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside. On the outside. Looking in. (laughs) Yay! The thing that's weird about this song is that they've written it in a cadence where it's actually kind of hard to imagine, like, what is the song? Right? Yeah. And it's also... Yeah, I absolutely cannot imagine what the tune would be. I wish that they'd included some sheet music, like, in the back of the book, you know? I mean, we could make it up, but... We could. Uh... I don't, I don't know. Maybe in the bonus episode. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Gonna have to get at the Casio keyboard. Yeah, please do. Maybe you could just press the button on the like autoplay, like oh, default yeah. uh, music and we can just sing along to that, you know? Perfect. <laughs> so uh, listeners, that is not a promise of what's going to be happening on next week's episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, the story just kind of spirals from there, right? Like, Everybody knows that Lynn's song is the best, and Lynn catches wind that everybody loves her song, and she is just in a total panic because she has... Yeah, she freaks out. She's poured her heart into this song. She's been really honest. She's bared her soul. And if people find out that she wrote it, then they're going to know that... They're going to know something about her, and she's just, like, afraid to be seen. Yeah, that's fair. Thank you. You're welcome. I mean, 
I mean, like, so I had a whole journey with Lynn on this book because I was so annoyed with her early on and her just, like, lack of ability to see any of her own good qualities and, like, to make any effort on her own behalf. But I think that on some level it was, I mean, the kind of thing where that kind of thing annoys me and myself when I do it, you know? So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't do that that much, but I think that there are parts of this book where I could really relate to Lynn's issues. Yeah. And that made me mad. I didn't want to relate to them. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I think most people have had that experience, but especially like nerd folk. And you know what? It's always kind of nice in these books when we get a chance to meet a character who is not, like, a gorgeous popular person. Yeah, we don't even know what kind of car she drives, so. Ah, she doesn't have a car. She has to ride the bus. Oh, yeah, that's right. Have we ever met a character that doesn't have a car? I don't know. I mean, I guess there's other people riding the bus, but. Yeah, I guess Caroline Pierce doesn't have a car. Winston Egbert doesn't have a car. Man. Three people on the bus. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Everybody else is a freshman. They can't, don't have their license yet. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Lynn, she is just like mortified. And like then the, but Guy, meanwhile, is basically like in love yeah. with the person that he keeps on listening over and over again to her song. It's like obsessive. Right. He's like, we, he like makes it a mission where they have to find her. Yeah, and Elizabeth, it becomes a kind of a Cinderella story, right? I mean, right. but the book doesn't follow that too much, where they're, like, searching high and low. I mean, he's trying to figure it out. He puts Liz on the case. Now Liz right. is not only uh, advising Lynn when, she, I don't know, she's not really advising Lynn that much yet, but that'll come later. But both both Guy and Lynn have, like, hearts to heart with Elizabeth. Right. (laughs) She's playing a role all around town. Good old, reliable Elizabeth. In her blue polo shirt. Yeah. Just patting people on the shoulder, saying, oh, you can do it. Come on. Let's solve this problem together. It's like how June Cleaver would comfort people. Like, (laughs) they're there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, listeners, gladiators, refer to the cover of book number 28, and you will see what Megan and I are talking about. So... There's this rocker on the clock, which does not get described in that much detail for all of no. the emphasis the book puts on it, um, where Guy is, like, really coming apart at the seams, and he has this heart-to-heart with Elizabeth about how important it is to him to find this woman, and Elizabeth gets the sense that he's in love with her, and she's like, yes, no matter what, I will help you find this person. We'll figure it out. Like, right. she's a crack reporter. Like, she's going to solve the mystery. We've got Elizabeth on the case. But then, so this book has this other weird little plant that it pays off late in the book where uh, they're listening to a record. Do you remember whose record they're listening to? It's oh, not oh, Linda Ronstadt. Oh, no. I don't remember then. They're, Enid and um, Elizabeth are oh. both talking about how great Billie Holiday That's is. That's right. Which is an interesting pull. Billie Holiday is fucking amazing. So good call, guys. But like, yeah. all right. It, <laughs> authors of yeah, this Yeah, maybe book. it was like authorial intent to try to get them to get more teens to listen to Billie Holiday. I like that. I hope that's the case. That would be cool. Uh, so Elizabeth 
doesn't, uh, she, like, can't do something for Jessica. She can't help Jessica put the what? rocking chair oh, in, in the, the car. Oh, in the in the Fiat, which yeah, won't work. Because that's Be- not going to work. <laughs> because she has to go by the music center to pick up uh, a record. Yeah. <laughs> With the she Billie can't Holiday do it record. any other time. Yeah. The Billie Holiday record that she and Enid had been talking about. It's a record, by the way. Like, she means, like, a big black thing. A record. Yes. For our younger listeners, we used to use those for music. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're, they're I mean, vinyl, it's like, oh, yeah, it's hot again, isn't it? Yeah, they're more likely to know about the vinyl than about the cassettes that oh, yeah. <laughs> people turn in their songs or... on. Yeah. So while Elizabeth is at the music center, she overhears a beautiful voice singing a song, Almond and it birth. sounds familiar. And it's Lynn Henry who secretly teaches these guitar lessons and nobody on earth knows that she plays the guitar at all except her mom. Wouldn't this have to be like somebody's younger sibling who's taking guitar lessons from Lynn? I mean, maybe not, but I, I mean, seems like probably. Sweet Valley is so tight knit that mm-hmm. that you'd think that somebody you'd would think. know. You'd think, but apparently maybe Lynn screens her uh, her students to make sure that none of them have siblings that are seniors or juniors at Sweet Valley High. That seems like a pretty conceivably Lynn thing to do. Yeah, it does. And so basically the cat's out of the bag. Elizabeth is like, Lynn, it's you. I can recognize your voice. And Lynn is mortified and basically swears Elizabeth to secrecy. Yeah. And when Elizabeth presses her, like, well, why don't you want people to know? It comes out because because Elizabeth tells Lynn, right, that like she thinks Guy is in love with the person on the cassette, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but she right. does say that. It's a weird thing to be true, but uh, this book purports that it is true. Yeah. And it's very and romantic. Here we are. I can't deny that it is extremely romantic, if far-fetched. And sure. Lynn basically says, Guy is thinking that this woman looks as beautiful as Linda Ronstadt, and he's going to be disappointed when he finds that it's me. <laughs> I mean, he did go on about Linda Ronstadt quite a bit, so... I guess so. Uh, he even brings up Linda Ronstadt to Elizabeth, I think, at some point. Yeah, I, I think know. you're right. Well, I do know that he brings her up, because later on... I mean, Elizabeth agrees to be sworn to secrecy, and Elizabeth's, you know, word is her bond. She's not going to think on a promise of yeah. secrecy. But she does let on to poor Guy Chesney, who is coming up out of the seams that... She knows. Yeah. <laughs> and that she's is. not going to tell him. Yeah. I mean, he pulls it out of her, right? Yeah, totally. And what does Guy do? Um, what does Guy do? Why am I forgetting? Uh, well, oh, I guess it's not so much what Guy does, except that Elizabeth says something to him about Linda Ronstadt. Oh, and how yeah. The girl thought that he would be expecting Linda Ronstadt or something. And he's like, wait, is that what she said? Did she Did literally she say, say those words? Use those words. Yeah. And then he runs off and she's like, Elizabeth had no fucking idea how Guy knew, but yeah. he seemed to know. <laughs> I mean, that's not a direct <laughs> quote, but basically. But that's I, basically I, it should have been, though. So I um, read the last three chapters of this book in the car on the way home. Uh, so oh, nice. that particular passage is very fresh. Yes. Uh, in my mind, hashtag LA traffic and uh, only at stoplights did I read, but I got it done. Wow. And 
Elizabeth definitely says something like, what the fuck? How did I know? I'm looking for it. (laughs) You're doing a search, like a a global search for what the fuck? (laughs) Well, Um, for Linda Ronstadt. (laughs) That'll never work. Oh, yeah, for Linda Ronstadt. We got to find out how many results there are. Uh, There's um, 13 for Linda. Yes. So. 13 gladiators. 13 times Linda Ronstadt gets brought up in this book. There was something about him being like a red-blooded boy, and that kind of creeped me out. <laughs> like, As opposed to what? I don't know. Lizard-blooded, maybe? I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, one of those cold-blooded, blue-blooded boys. Oh, like Bruce yeah. Hammond. Or Nicholas <laughs> Morrow. Blue-blooded boy. Of course, they're also red-blooded. Especially yeah. Bruce. We didn't talk about the makeover. Shall we talk about the makeover? Oh, yeah, the makeover. Yeah, I mean, again, with the with the Jade Henry, her mom, saying like, oh, why don't you come and get a makeover? And it was it was coming from a much better place than a lot of, I think, the rest of the book was, where it wasn't like, oh, she was almost pretty. It was like her mom very much so said, like, I want you to feel good about yourself and do whatever makes you feel good about yourself. And so I thought that was nice. Yeah, and I think they really pull it off. They let Jade Henry, the mom, like, toe the line like very well of you know motherly advice but it doesn't sound i shouldn't say toe the line i guess i should say walk the line she walks it very she threads the needle yeah grasping it at metaphors here she threads the needle very well of like i want to help you look prettier but i respect you as a person and it's just that i want to help your inner beauty and your outer beauty match you know she yeah she doesn't say exactly that, but she's very supportive. And and through the process of the makeover, which Lynn finally relents to, I think because the book is giving her this gradual uh, boost in self-esteem. You yeah. Know, she, she has this new friend in Guy. She records a song. Everybody likes the song. Yeah, like it's baby steps. Like it lets her warm up to the idea of people knowing who she is slowly. Yeah. And man, she's puts on some crazy clothes. She's got some kind of a crayon vest. Oh, yeah. I think it just says crayon bright. I guess it just means it's a bright color, but it doesn't say what color. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Again, just read this like an hour ago. So the point is that Lynn does not go to the party. She doesn't go to the the rock around the clock. She doesn't hear the droids perform her song, Dana Larson singing. Guy is so sad that they don't have the real singer there to perform. All he wants to do is back her up on guitar. How's how's that for a euphemism? Oh, que romantico. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And... Yeah, Yeah, Cranbright Cut. Sorry, I just found it. Yeah? The uh, (laughs) flat black espadrilles. That yes. didn't add any inches to her height. Like, she should own that shit. She Be should. tall and awesome, Lynn. You're fine. And she finally starts wearing her contacts. So she's got a new look. Her mom helped her get a new look. Right. She shows up at school. But I guess on the way to school, Guy or Guy calls her before school oh, and yeah. says, like, let's walk to school together. And she's like, oh, well, it's not exactly a date, but like, this is good. This is good. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was funny. There was, like, her transformation included, like, a personality change at one point where, like, when he calls. <laughs> and she's like, and he's like, Lynn, this is Guy Chesney. 
Lynn almost dropped the receiver, but the new Lynn Henry took over. Oh, hi, she said in just the right combination of surprise and casual curiosity in her voice. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what? Yep. It's like now that she's made over, she has a new personality. Yeah, that's how it works in all the movies, right? Yeah. So what do you think is just the right amount of um, curiosity and... What was the word you said? Surprise and casual curiosity. Yeah, yeah. So what did she say? Oh, hi? Oh, hi. What do you think that sounds like? I'm not sure. Um, I mean, if it was curiosity, you'd think it might like inflect up at the end, like, oh, hi. But then that would be obviously <laughs> not a thing she would say. Not new, Lynn. Not new, Lynn. Okay, I'm going to try it. Um, oh, hi. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think is I that think too that much? Be, I think that it might be, be too like a eager. little too enthusiastic for her, but at the same time, you know, okay. this is new Lane Henry we're talking yeah. about. You try. Oh hi. No, 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 it's good. Oh, it's a little sexy though. <laughs> yeah, oh hi. It's like too sexy. Oh hi. <laughs> but hey, I don't know. She has a sexy voice. She yeah. has a throaty voice. So yeah. she might as well be like, oh hi. Oh, oh hi. Guy Chesney just won't know what hit him. Oh, who is this? Guy Chesney? Oh, the boy from next door. We've uh, walked to school a few times together, I I do believe. Yes, <laughs> I, I do recall you, Guy Chesney. Oh, hi. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's Lynn. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the full conversation. Anyway. Yeah. But on the walk to school, Guy gives her this whole... A speech about how outside looking in won and his dad's or his friend's dad is a um what do they call that the artist the kind of police artist police sketch, oh, the artist? sketch artist yeah, yeah. Like they were gonna have the sketch artist like draw a description of her voice or based, of her yeah, based, based on, on the song yeah <laughs> and then they're going to have Elizabeth, he's going to have Elizabeth Wakefield photocopy a bunch of pictures of this sketch drawing, sketch yeah. artist drawing that is based on the sound of this person's voice yeah. with the lyrics to the song and distributed at lunchtime. Because and, it's impossible to just go look around and be like, oh, I don't recognize this person. Oh, wait, yes, I do. Like, I don't know. I thought that was funny that his cover story or whatever of distributing this for everyone to go look for them. Well, was like, it's, it's so weird because it's like Lynn is sure that his version of whoever this, you know, it's going to look like Linda Ronstadt. Or so. Yeah. <laughs> She's created this like false competition for herself in this other fake woman. Yeah. But then lunchtime comes and Lynn is like annoyed that people have been pointing out her new look. Yeah. Which I guess that could be kind of like if you were already really self-conscious about everything and then suddenly you do change everything. Like, yeah, it could be scary. Yeah, I would be. I mean, this is a thing that I it's like you want people to notice, but you also kind of hate having it noticed. Yeah, I can relate to this. Right. Like, oh, you took time. You cared about it. Like, oh, that's you changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you knew you were not putting in any effort this whole time. Right. (laughs) But when the flyers get handed out it turns out that the sketch drawing is basically just a police sketch drawing of lynn henry right based on 
like guy's description of her, which is also weirdly super romantic. Right. So Elizabeth didn't blow her cover was that relieved her of that. (laughs) And Elizabeth actually comes up to her in the lunchroom right before it's announced when, when the flyers are circulating and says to Lynn, like, how did he know? Yeah. And Lynn doesn't understand what she means until, uh, because until her she, cover, she didn't blow her cover and Elizabeth stayed true to her word. Yeah. And Lynn does not suspect her of blowing her cover because of her, her shock, I guess. Yeah. Um, so let's read the romantic conclusion. It's, it's really, really special. May I read it? You may. Lynn. Guy called, his voice choking with emotion. A minute later, he had fought his way through the crowd and grabbed her by the arm. The droids want to know if you'll sing your song right now. The office has given us permission to use the mic in here, and I'll play guitar to back you up. Lynn stared at him, her eyes swimming with tears. How did you know? How did you know? She demanded, her voice low. I'll tell you later, he said, smiling down at her. Suddenly he grabbed her hand, lacing her fingers with his own. Will you sing for us? Say you will, Lynn. Please. Okay, Lynn said, looking deep into his eyes. A few minutes later, she was up in front of the whole cafeteria, the mic in her hand and Guy behind her. Dana Larson had introduced her, and the entire cafeteria had burst into applause and cheers. So she sings her song, sing, sing, sing. She barely heard the roar of applause that greeted the last word of the song. Guy was grabbing her hand. Let's get out of here, he said gruffly, and she followed him out the door, running next to him onto the patio, which was usually crowded with students eating lunch. That day, however, everyone had rushed inside to hear the song, and so the patio was empty. Lynn remembered the daydream she'd had time after time. There she was, her hand in his... And the next thing she knew, Guy was taking her in his arms, kissing her as if he'd hoped the moment would never end. Oh, Guy, Lynn gasped, staring wonderingly at him. It was every bit as magical as she had dreamed. She wished there was some way to explain to him how incredible it was to discover that real life could be even more perfect than her fantasy had been. But from the look in his eyes, she had a feeling she didn't have to explain. I love you. Guy said wonderingly, cupping her chin with his hand, and she knew he was feeling the same way she was. Because, like, literally, he just told her. Uh, he just told her what he was so feeling. Anyway, um, A plus communication, guy. Yeah, good job, Guy. Oh my gosh. Happy romance novel ending. Yeah. Very hot. Love it. And everything's great. And Lynn's life yeah. is perfect. Hooray, Lynn. Did you have anything else you want to say about Lynn? Um, <laughs> I feel like that's sort of an abrupt question that I'm asking you, but like, I uh, know I'm trying to think if there's, let me look in my notes here. Oh yeah. It was like after Lynn's terrible, no good, very bad day. And her mom saying like, like, I was wondering if you were finding it any easier at school now. And it was like, no, I think it's been a day. Mrs. Henry. <laughs> yeah. should... Oh mom. Oh mom. Yeah. Best wishes. Best intentions. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think that's. Oh, and then when she, like, jumped, just jumped right into, like, when they were at Seca Lake, and uh, I thought it was kind of uh, when she just, like, jumped right into telling Guy, like, oh, my father died after, you know, a conversation with him was like, oh, yeah, you're, you're just going right for yeah, it, aren't you? Yeah, that was kind then? of uncharacteristic, Which, huh? Yeah. 
I but she even so. sort of says that, uh, you know, uh, to herself, like, oh, it was weird That's that she true. was opening yeah. up to him like this. Um, did you have any boys? Oh, oh, who's a beautiful boy? Who's a beautiful boy? I'm in danger of losing my head. Oh, what was homeboy who made the joke? Winston Egbert? Winston Egbert. <laughs> where he was, like, at one point... <laughs> Right before he says, like, you're off your rocker. And then that was the moment in the book where I realized that they'd written this rocking chair contest entirely so that Winston Egbert could make that joke. I'm still laughing about homeboy who makes the jokes. Uh (laughs) Yes. And then you knew right away that that was Winston Egbert. Um, I only have one boy to talk about. uh, And it's the boy that Enid is super thirsty for, who we've never heard of before. Enid giggled. Well, I could use a break myself, she told her friend, brushing her smooth brown hair away from her face. Just between us, she added, dropping her voice. I think Brent Stein is pretty terrific on the dance floor. Brent, a tall, serious senior with gray eyes and a satiric sense of humor, was Enid's latest secret crush. So Brent Stein, she mentions him again like a page later, and then I don't think we ever hear from him again, but gray eyes... Listeners, oh God, I keep calling you listeners. We're, I'm trying to stick, make this gladiator thing. Oh, stick. gladiators! Yeah, sorry. yeah. Hold me to it, gladiators. <laughs> um, if you listen to the episode about the book Hostage uh, with the the Sweet Sweet Valley Boys, the Babysitters Club Club guys, um, they posited that perhaps uh, we discussed, I guess, that perhaps gray eyes was a high point in the hierarchy of eye colors in the Sweet Valley mm. High universe. So Brent Stein, you know, even though he's a dark horse candidate, he does have those gray eyes. He's a fox. He with is those a gray eyes. Gray eyed, tall senior fox. Oh yeah, and a senior. Serious senior. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all the boys. This as we said earlier, this one is all about Guy Chesney. Oh guy. I mean, I feel like there's a lot more that we can talk about with this book, and maybe we should do it in next week's extra drama. But um, we've been talking for about an hour now, so maybe it should be the part of the podcast where I ask you the all-important question. Megan. Oh. My cousin, Megan Shattuck, are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth? I mean, I've thought about this. I'm thrilled to hear it. I knew this was coming, and... And it's like you kind of have to say Elizabeth usually because you don't want to be a sociopath. But in this case, I mean, maybe neither. Jessica is hardly in this book. Yeah, she's not really, like, for this book, like, Jessica's doing more organizing. She has a really clever, cute idea that she makes work. Like, Yeah. And she gets to rock in a rocking chair a lot, which I thought was silly and entertaining. It's got to be a decent, like, um, core workout after three hours. Yeah. Yeah, probably so. So I think that, yeah, I think for this book only, I might be a Jessica because I don't think I'd want to be as meddly as Elizabeth is. there is. a character in the book that you related to a little bit more than either of the Wakefield twins? Not really. I mean... Yeah, Enid sucks in this like, book. Lynn Henry, it's like you can relate to her, but not in a like, I see myself in her fully kind of a way because she's such a sad sack. Uh, right. Caroline Pierce yeah. is in it but 
I don't remember she what Caroline Pierce next to, did. She sits next to Lynn <laughs> on the bus. That's basically it. Yeah. Um, maybe Jade Henry. You could be a Jade Henry. Yeah, I'll be a Jade Henry. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, we should tease the next book for uh, the Gladiators, but um, we're going to have to set it up before we tease it. Oh, yeah. So in this book, they plant it very um, sneakily early on. They plant this thing about Helen Bradley, one of the cheerleaders, moving away. Oh, yeah, that she was moving away. Yeah, and Lila's cousin, Christopher. Oh, that's another sexy boy that is alluded Mm. to, if not described. Lila's cousin, Christopher, is coming to town. Yeah, because they keep asking about when he's yeah, going to get there, right? they're really hot for him. They're, like, frighteningly like, excited advanced. for him. They have the hots for him before they've ever seen him. They just know he's going to be a hot piece yeah. of meat. So, <laughs> 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 oh, I wish I hadn't said it. Uh, but I'm, I'm grateful you did. <laughs> so, Christopher coming to town, Helen Bradley moving away, Jessica, oh my god, Jessica has a moment you guys, listen to this. Jessica has a moment in this book where she maintains that she felt the brunt of the last cheerleader tryouts the hardest because it was her oh, fault yeah. that Annie Whitman attempted suicide. How about Annie Whitman had it the hardest? She was in a fucking coma. Jessica Wakefield, you sociopath. Yeah. I was giving her so much credit for this book, but there's just this fleeting I moment. I forgot about that part. There's just this Can fleeting moment, right? Yeah. Oh, Jessica. Get your shit together. <laughs> this is one where if my guest had not listened to any episodes of the podcast before or hadn't read any Sweet Valley High novels, they would have gotten to that passage and been like, what the hell? <laughs> but... <laughs> Right. You were saved a little bit of that and you got the the gift of sweet context uh, because uh, that's oh, what happens yeah. uh, when you listen. To- yeah, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> it was like typical Jessica. <laughs> so much so that we both kind of forgot about it. But yeah. anyway, at the end of the book, uh, do you remember the ending scene? Um, They're at the beach. Like the whole last chapter of the book has nothing to do with Lynn Henry, except that the cheerleaders yeah. are talking on the beach about how... Lynn Henry and Guy Chesney are all hot and heavy now. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Can we talk about someone named Lisa Reed? You might not have clocked this because yeah. I was, like, flipping through, as I mentioned, reading the book in the car, in traffic, and I got to a page I was like, who the hell is Lisa Reed? And I flipped back to see if she'd been mentioned earlier, and I'm glad I did because apparently... Oh. Yeah? There's a black girl in Sweet Valley, and that's yeah, awesome. There's another another black girl gets mentioned. I mean, I don't know when we're gonna find more about Lisa Reed. It's past my fifty book purview, but like, uh, yeah, she's got a beautiful figure and short curly hair. So Lisa Reed, ladies and gentlemen, maybe she'll be the new cheerleader, except she won't be. Um, but yeah, uh, so Liz comes running late to the beach, all excited, because she got a letter from Amy Sutton, who was her best friend in sixth grade. That was threatening Enid's friendship, and she was super, super jelly. Yes, but Enid has not revealed that to Elizabeth. We, the reader, just happened to have an an insight into Enid's uh, inner monologue, where she's like, oh my god, will I be able to compete for Elizabeth's attention with this Amy Sutton? So would you care to tease the gladiators? For next week? Yes, gladiators. Gladiators, write in if you hate that. (laughs) Will Elizabeth's renewed friendship with Amy Sutton leave Enid stranded? 
Find out in Sweet Valley High number 29, Bitter Rivals. Megan, let's continue this conversation yeah. in an extra drama Ooh. bonus episode <laughs> next week. Doble, doble, doble. Uh, send me an email at sweetvalleydiariesatme.com or check out the blog, uh, sweetvalleydiaries.net. And you can read what I thought about these books the first time I read them through. Um, and the most fun place to follow the podcast, I think, is on Instagram, where my handle is Sweet Valley Diaries, which makes sense, right? It does. Go go follow me. I don't have enough followers over there. And uh, tell your friends to listen to the show and follow me on Instagram, too. Tune in next week when we're going to talk some more about Lynn Henry, probably. Oh, Lynn. Thanks, Megan. Yeah, thank you. Bitter Rivals. What a title. Bitter Rivals. Bitter Rivals. Yeah.